We are in the midst of a worship series entitled Body Language. As we read through the New Testament, um, in our journey through the New Testament, we are in the book of 1 Corinthians, moving into the book of 2 Corinthians. Um, Paul, in these two letters that he writes to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, he explores this idea of body. That Christ is the head, let's be clear about that. Christ is the head, we're supposed to think with the mind of Christ. We are the body of Christ called to be his body. And, and he explores it the most. It's, it's the clearest in the chapter I'm going to read from, from uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. That's where he explores it the most. Let's, let's take a look at that. If you have your Bibles, you can open it to that and, uh, um, or your phone or whatever. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to be uh, just reading verses 27 to 31, but I'm going to be kind of commenting on the, uh, the whole of, those, uh, uh, of that chapter and those around it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But strive for the greater gifts and I will show you a more excellent way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, in case you hadn't heard, Blues won the Stanley Cup. How many of you became a Blues fan just this year? So I was a Blues fan before we moved out of St. Louis. Uh, we moved out of St. Louis uh, 2002 and uh, went to Macon and then Kansas City and then Jackson, Missouri, and finally back home here to St. Louis a year ago. And um, I had kind of lost track of the Blues, lost interest in the Blues, lost interest in the Rams as well, but that's a whole other story. Um, kept up my interest in the Cardinals, and which was hard in Kansas City, but they were really bad when I was there and they're bad again. So it's easy to stay with the Cardinals. But um, the Blues did something special this year, and it was exciting. It was fun to be a part of. It was fun to watch, and it, um, it was easy to get caught up into it, wasn't it? Did, did, did any of you get caught up into it? So, so in November, the Blues weren't doing well, and they fired their coach, which by the way, is hockey's uh, teams go, that's a regular thing. They change coaches all the time. They fired their head coach and hired a guy by the name of Craig Berube. He brought in kind of a new understanding of how things would work, but things didn't go great. By January, the first of January, the Blues were in last place in the NHL, and they went from worst to first by the end of the season. They, in January, they brought on, on a new goalie, a rookie, and he was a brick wall. You couldn't get a puck past him. The other goalie stuck around, but didn't get a whole lot of ice time. The Blues, finally, they, 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 they play so well that they end up in the, the uh, playoffs. I'll confess, that's when I started watching. That's when it got interesting. And, and for those of you who have been around St. Louis a long time, you, uh, you understand this idea. They were like the cardiac cards in their coming back. 
That's a football reference, not a baseball reference, for those of you who haven't been here. Um, they, they, they came back time and again. They, they took these, these, uh, the, the series to, to the seventh game each time. It was just, it just crazy and, and crazy fun. Now, here's, here's something neat about, uh, to hear about the team. They had, during the playoffs, they had 22 different players that were on the ice, not counting goalies, they had two of those. 22 different players on the ice. Of those 22, 21 scored at least one goal. Can you imagine? Everybody participated, except for the one. That one player, by the way, had seven assists. Now that's a hockey uh, stat that they keep that means that he passed the puck to the guy that scored the goal. An assist is a stat they keep, and seven's pretty good. So everybody participated. Everybody did something to advance the cause of the team, maybe except for that one goalie, but we won't talk about him. He did a good job being backup. <laughs> now, in hockey, you have, um, you have the forwards. And there's three of those. And then... Behind them, you have the defenseman, and there's two of those. And then behind them is the goalie, right? And, and, um, uh, and in order for the team to come together, in order for the team to gel, in order for everything to, to work, the forwards have to do what forwards do, and the defensemen have to do what defensemen do, and the goalie has to do what the goalie does. Not only that, but the forwards don't all have the same job. You see, there's a center and two wings, and the center has to do, as a forward, what a forward center does. And the wings have to do what the forward wings do. And if everybody does their job, you might win a game. And if everybody does their job really well, you might win a cup. And they did. And it was, it was so much fun. It was so, such a joy to be a part of and, and to watch. But the point of that is that, that everybody did what they were called to do to the best of their ability, and the cup comes. Now let's segue into, uh, into the church in Corinth. Paul, who uh, lived 2,000 years ago and wrote two letters to the church in Corinth, Paul had spent about a year and a half in that town of Corinth, developing a church and probably got up to about the size of this section. That's how big their churches were. Maybe this part of this section. You see, their churches, when he wrote these letters, he wasn't writing them to a, a church in an auditorium like this. He was writing a letter to 30, 40, 50 people who were meeting in a house in Corinth, it was probably Stephanos' house. That's one of the people we think the church met in his house, though there were others as well. And by this time, there may have been multiple houses. And the, church, the letter was circulated around. But there was a problem in the church in Corinth. They were arguing with each other. When does that ever happen? 
And some of them were saying, you know, I belong to Apollos because Apollos was one of those preachers who baptized a bunch of them. And, and some would say, I belong to Paul because Paul had baptized some of them. And there were others were claiming other people and saying, you know, this is who I was baptized by. And that seemed to be important. And, and Paul writes in an early part of the letter, he says, wait a minute, is Christ divided? Because it's not about who baptized you, it's about being a baptized member of the body of Christ. And these things that we're arguing about seem important to you, but to Christ they have no importance. Gosh, that sounds like the church for the last 2,000 years. We seem to argue about things that, in general, Jesus isn't really worried about. Or, I, won't, I, I could explore that for days, we could argue that point. They were fighting, and not just about that. There were other things they were fighting about. Wait till you hear in, in 2 Corinthians what they were fighting about. They were fighting about stuff all the time. And, and, and so if you read the letter, you know that in the early part of the letter, Paul seems aggravated, irritated. That carries all the way up through, through 1 Corinthians 11, chapter 11. Paul's just irritated. He's bothered by what's going on. And, and then he makes this transition into 1 Corinthians 12. Now, let me tell you, uh, for those of you that don't know this, those chapters and verses, they didn't develop those for hundreds of years after the letter was written. Paul didn't write chapter 12, and, and then that wasn't in there. So we divided it up for our use to be able to make reference to it. But as Paul writes this, he goes from this this rather bothered, angry tirade of somebody who had started this group, gotten them going, gotten them together, and then heard news that they're fighting all the time. So he writes them a letter. And the first part of it, fairly terse. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, he makes this transition. I've told you where you've gone wrong, now let me teach you right. And he begins that letter and he says, you know, let's be clear that, that, that um, uh, there's one spirit. The spirit, like Christ, the spirit is not divided. There's one spirit of God. Not different spirits that are doing different things. There is one spirit of God. And that spirit has given different talents, different abilities to different people. The point is that you have talents and abilities. Not which one. You see, they were even fighting over that. Some were saying, I speak in tongues and clearly far better than you do. <laughs> and Paul says, you're missing the point. Paul says, then he develops this idea of the body, and, and, and this is where the whole sermon series comes from, the idea of the body. And, and Paul says, look, um, and I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not going to say exactly what he says, but, but look, here's a hand. And the hand does these things, Right? The hand does different things. The hand has a job. The job is to be a hand, not to be a foot. Feet do certain things. I don't dance. My feet don't do that. But just because a hand isn't a foot doesn't mean the hand's not important. and doesn't mean the foot's not important because it's not a hand. Now, some of you can probably do a handstand and walk around here. But you can only do that for a little bit and you're going to turn back over, Right? And just because you don't have a certain gift, a certain talent, a certain ability, doesn't mean you are more than or less than anyone else in the room. I have a job, and this is it. 
And just because you're not up here doesn't mean that you're less important or more important than my job. I have a specific task in the church. You know, as I think about that, I think about all the, all the different tasks that go on in our church. If you think about it, you may, you may not know this, but um, uh, based on, um, I, I just did a, tried to do a quick count um, on the number of people involved in making church happen on a Sunday morning. Anybody want to guess? I mean, now we're talking people in the kitchen, the ushers, the greeters, the, the people in the booth, the people doing music, uh, uh, me, uh, Greg, uh, the, the people in Sunday school that are leading your children right now, leading the, the youth uh, Sunday school, uh, the adult Sunday school leaders. How many people do you think are involved in a Sunday during the summer? About 70. Oh, did you get it right? Were you close? Right on. Kid knows something. <laughs> when the choir comes back in the fall, we'll be pushing 100. 100 people. I'm going to guess there's 190 in the room right now. Is, that, is the number written down? That, you know what preacher counting is? That's when a preacher goes, looks out and goes, there's 440 chairs and 600 people. See if I was anywhere close. Oh, she's adding it up. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry about that. I put people on the spot just for fun. What's your job? You see, God, through his spirit, has decided to empower you, to gift you, to do something. And it works best when everybody's doing what they're gifted to do. Imagine if the goalie said, no, nah, I'm not going to stand in the goal. I'm going to stand to the side and just, oh, there it goes again. Imagine if the goalie sat on the sidelines going, nah, I'd rather sit over here because I can drink my Gatorade straight from a straw. Imagine if, the, well, imagine if he didn't do his job. Imagine if he didn't live out his task. What if you don't live out your task? What doesn't happen? You're gifted. You have an ability. And you're part of this body. You may not be a hand, you might be an ear, but that doesn't mean that, that you're any less than the eye. Every one of us has a part to play. Every one of us is a, is a part, head and shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes. Every one of us has a part to play in the body of Christ. What's your part? You know, there was uh, uh, an event that happened yesterday, and I want to share a little bit about it. Uh, we had um, um, the uh, backpack attack. Now, what, for those of you that don't know what that is, we collect items um, for, that go in the backpacks of students in the Rockwood School District, and we give the backpacks away to students who can't afford to buy their own. Their, their family would be crushed for, for what do we do? Do we buy dinner or do we buy backpack supplies? And, and you may be surprised to find there are those families in our community, but there are. And so we gave away 160 backpacks yesterday. Another, um, uh, Doreen, guess how many, well, I saw her, there she is. Uh, another 60 we sent away. Another 250? Holy cow! That's a big number. Now, it's important that, that that just happened because I'm guessing, which is kind of my personality. Let me tell you how Doreen works. Uh, this week, I got an email. 
And the email explained exactly where to be when as a volunteer. You know, you know when, I, <laughs> when I first came to this church, I was so happy that I, I needed something out of, the, uh, uh, out of the office supply. And I go into the office supply room and every, every cabinet is labeled. I wouldn't know where to find anything if it wasn't labeled. I still have to ask questions anyway, but I would, I, I, and it would never dawn on me to label something. I'm wondering if, if Doreen's kitchen is labeled. <laughs> it is. Okay, beautiful. See, now here's the deal. Um, and, and in that email, it outlines where to be when, and then, and then you open a document, and it, and it has your name on, on a spreadsheet, and what position you have, and what you're going to be doing, and what time you have to be there. And when. It was all outlined. If I do this event, here's what happens. Hey, y'all, show up Saturday. We'll figure it out. We show up Saturday, it's figured out. And here's the other thing. Doreen figured out, um, she knows who to put where, who has, who has the personality, because all the backpacks were over here. We'll get to that picture of all the backpacks lined up. There they are. So all the backpacks are over here and lined up, and somebody's in charge of making sure that a kid picks out their own backpack. And, and, and other people are in charge of helping that happen. Doreen said, Dave, I got a job perfect for you. Stand at the front door and say hi as they come in. That's my talent level. Now, because she knew I'd need help with that, she put my wife with me. And, and as the children would come in, I say, hi, welcome, get in line right there. And, and my wife would, would stop every child and say, what's your name? What's your grade? What school are you going to? Oh, I know a teacher in that school. And they're made to feel welcome. And they go and they sign up out in the lobby and then they go from the lobby and they come in here and the first person they encounter coming through the door, in this room, there's all the chairs are pushed aside. There's tables set up with all the school supplies so they get to kind of shop for their school supplies. The first person they meet in the door is Kelly Vincent. You've had that experience. <laughs> right? And, and, and Kelly directs them to go this way, but as she does, they, she gives them the full gospel of Jesus Christ while they're on their way to the table. And there were people at each table doing their job, and there were people in the kitchen, and, and there, Bob cooked hot dogs all the night before, and, and we had uh, people outside for the, for the playtime for the kids, and it was all set up, and it all worked well because people did what they were gifted to do. What are you gifted to do? You know, at, at Living Word, we have what we call the four pillars. Worship, learn, serve, and celebrate. If worship is all you do, you're not experiencing the full realm of what God has for you in your life. If you're never learning anything, not doing the journey through the New Testament, not doing a small group, not doing a, a, a Bible study, or not doing a Sunday school, you're not learning what God has for you. If you're not serving, you're not allowing God to use you in the way God equipped you to serve. And all what the church is missing and you sitting back and saying, worship's enough. We're missing the opportunity. I wish you were here at the last service, though. This service is fine. Um, but at the last service, we had an orchestra in the choir seats. Everyone in the orchestra is a member of the church. We have some talent here. 
And it was so much better that they shared it rather than kept it to themselves. And God was glorified in a special way. What's your talent? What's your gift? What's your ability? So much happens at this church, so much. And, and I, I, I think it's important that, that first of all, um, as we think about that song, Gloria, and um, uh, you know the, the word Gloria, it, it comes from the Latin that means glorify God. Now, that's not the way the song is using it. It's using it as somebody's name. I, I tried to read through the words and figure out what it meant. wasn't sure. It was the 70s. None of us knew what was going on. God created you to be a part of his church, gifts you to do some pretty incredible stuff. You know, there's only one part of the body that's useless, and that's the appendix. Don't be the appendix. <laughs> be used for the purpose of Christ. I don't want to stop there. I, I want to just really quickly mention 1 Corinthians 13, because you thought that was written for your wedding. And you are so wrong. Because as we read that letter, and it, we had it in our wedding too, I, it's fine. But as, as we read that letter, again, there's not chapter and verse divisions. And Paul says at the conclusion of that, let me tell you all about the spiritual gifts and then let me show you a more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but I do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Meaning if I'm able to do these glorious things for myself, it means nothing. It's just a bunch of noise. He goes on to talk about love and says, love is patient, love is kind. I used to know it. Uh, love is patient, love is kind. It's not irritable or boastful or resentful or rude. It does not insist on its own way, but insists on the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And the chapter concludes with, now faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the greatest of these is love. I've done a few weddings. The greatest of these is love. So if you have all these gifts and abilities and talents and you're using them at work, great, congratulations, I hope that's working for you. But if you're not using them for the church, you're missing out. And if you're using them for the church and you're ugly about it, that ain't love, and that ain't working either. Let me, let me conclude with this. Philip Pritchard is a, a, a guy who, um, uh, his job, you'll love this job. His job is the keeper of the cup. Okay? This guy travels the world with Stanley. That's what we've come to call this. Stan, this is Lord Stanley. This guy travels with Lord Stanley. And, and his job, so when a team wins the Stanley Cup, each team member gets to take it home with Philip. Because it's his job to make sure the cup is used and not abused. And so all the things, if you've seen, the, the Blues are doing some crazy things. They're eating Honey Nut Cheerios from it. They're, uh, no, I actually think it was Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Um, uh, somebody had just had a baby, and they put their baby in the cup, and, and they let their dog drink from it. And, and it's Philip's job to clean it out so the next guy that drinks out of it is. Um, it's just, so his job is to travel with the cup. And uh, he was interviewed on St. Louis Radio. I was listening to the interview. And um, they said, is there anything unique about the way St. Louis is doing this? And he said, well, 
you know, there's individuals that are doing some crazy, funny things, and every one of them is unique, but every one of them is approved by the NHL before they do it. So the guys that put salt on the rim and drank margaritas, it was approved. But he said this, he said, here's something that was unique. We finished the game. The Blues win in Boston. (laughs) That ought to get a celebration right there, but it's a whole other story. Blues win in Boston, party, then they come home, get on a plane and come home. They arrive at Lambert Airport at 3.45 a.m., and the place is packed. And these guys who are tired, hungover, still high, whatever it is, they get off the plane. One of them grabs the cup and they all went into the crowd to celebrate. They took the cup into the crowd. And then, he said, then when, when uh, they had the parade downtown and all these guys are, are in cars and trucks and stuff as they're parading through, they all got out of the cars and took the cup into the crowd. And he said, that's unique. I haven't seen that before. We have a cup too. We as the church have a cup as well. It's not a Stanley cup and it's not something we've won. It's the cup of Jesus Christ. This cup is won for us and given to us. As we talk about communion, we talk about the blood in the cup, and we we don't believe, as Methodists, we don't believe it's real blood, that that somehow it transforms into blood. We believe that there is a spiritual connection that happens here. There's something spiritual that takes place. That in the cup, we experience the redemption of Christ. Christ. As we take in the body and the blood of Christ, we, re, we experience Christ redeeming us for his purposes. And guess what we're supposed to do with it? We're supposed to take the cup out into the crowd. We're supposed to share the cup in whatever way we've been gifted, in whatever talents we've been given, in whatever possibilities we have because God has gifted us, we're called to take the cup into the world. That's our task as the body of Christ. Amen and amen.